the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hello. Welcome to this episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. Howdy. We are so glad you're tuning in and listening today. Uh, This show is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. We have a two-week detox followed by two years of aftercare. Our detox is located inside St. Joseph's downtown, and our two-year aftercare includes recovery support, IASIS, microcurrent neurofeedback, all kinds of support. So if you or a loved one is struggling with addiction or substance use disorder, you can visit our website, www.mhrdp.com. <laughs> I still laugh at that every time. So or stupid. mhdrp.org or... Uh, visit or call, give us a call at 844-263-4673. That's right. And you're listening to us on KPRC 950 Sundays, 1 o'clock Central. Um, <clears throat> KPRC also has a channel on the iHeartRadio app, mm-hmm. uh, so you can listen to us live there at 1 o'clock Central. Or at the end of the day, they upload our show to a podcast. You can listen to present, past uh, if you're really feeling suicidal, any of the shows, you can just listen to them all Tony. day long if your life is just worth nothing <laughs> and you have nothing better to that do. That is not true. Um, <laughs> but you can also follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Relevant Recovery Radio on either place. You can uh, follow us and get all the new episodes as we upload them there Sunday each Sunday night. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can get a hold of us there. We'd love to hear from you. And as I'm always telling you, all you have to do is burn your life to the ground. You can go to a psych ward and hang out with Heather and Melly Mel <sighs> and the staff over ward. there. It's a substance use disorder facility. It just oh. happens to be in a hospital, but it's like amazing care with a very unique care model. Yeah. Yeah. It seems what's, to work, too. What's really crazy, crazy. yeah. Uh, you can look up, like, the national relapse averages, um, and there's about an 85% of all people that go to treatment relapse or return to use within the first year after leaving treatment. And uh, we keep stats and numbers on our care model and our clients. And what's really amazing, it, I have to self-report by our own observations. We mm-hmm. have, no, have not had a third party, uh, you know, go over this yet. But based on our year-and-a-half data, um, we have about an 85 to 90 percent sobriety success rate, which is unheard of. Do you think it's because you scare them? No, and they you think can't if, if scare they relapse, people into sobriety. I try. They're afraid if if they relapse that you'll beat them or stab <laughs> them in the neck with a pencil. No, the trick is properly educating. I really think treatment is about education and recovery is about application. And so while they're in our treatment, they get uh, amazing education on the disease, the illness that is chronic addiction and chronic alcoholism and mm. what the solution is and what to do about it. And the people that work there, most of us are all in recovery ourselves. Yeah. And so it's attraction rather than promotion. I get to say, hey, I used to shoot dope. I used to be a heroin addict. And now I'm, you know, sober six years almost. That's incredible. And the, another cool thing, you guys take all forms of insurance, Every which is not time. common. Yeah. And so everybody, regardless. Common. Even Medicaid, Medicare, yep. like. Regardless of their background, regardless of the demographic, we want everybody to have access to the same state-of-the-art, wonderful care model and treatment. That's great. Yep. Shout out to Melly Mel. So this is uh, our little warning that today is going to be yes. part two 
of pornography addiction. Today we're going to talk about like the best kinds of pornography no, to watch. No, Donnie, stop, please. Uh, so and How to watch it at work. So, warning, just like this will have sexual content today. If you have small children or something or you want to change the channel, listen to us later on the iHeart app. This is your opportunity to go ahead and switch channels now. Yeah. Uh, but we appreciate our listeners sticking in with us for this part two of porn addiction because it affects a lot of people. What we were saying last week is the stats are eight out of 10 men and three out of 10 women at some time in their li- adult lifetime or teenage lifetime have an addiction to porn. Were you one of those three? I was not. You were. I was one of those eight. You're one of those eight. I was. Yeah. And so in the 12 step work we do, we find that certain things like this are actually very common for people to struggle with. And it's not talked about like it is drugs and alcohol. But what we find, though, is that it's common across the board, not just in our 12 step world. It's common in church folk. It's common in regular people. It's just that you got to get kind of close enough to them and in relationship with them before they start talking about it. Right. They got to feel comfortable to talk about it. Yeah. Because it, which again, based on what I said last week, um, it shows that there is a negative stigma to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. otherwise people would be like, you know, hey, check out this porn I saw last week. It's pretty good. <laughs> you know, nobody does that. Yeah. Everybody's real quiet about it. But I think it's it's good. Like, I spoke on it last week it's from, good. from my... Born, born good. No, no. I'm saying it's good to talk about it. Oh, from, I got confused. The way that I relate to what you're I saying... I thought we were doing a pro-porn segment No, we're not. Please oh, okay. stop. <laughs> Uh, well, I forgot what I was even going to say. No, I didn't. Here it is. So what I was going to say is that I never I never was the kind of person that struggled with any sort of addiction to porn. However, I was married to someone before you, mm-hmm. a previous marriage that did. And I talked a little bit about the... So basically you pick bad men. My picker's broken. Yeah. My daddy's been saying this, yeah, first of all. Yeah, been telling you, you don't listen. Um, but what I'm trying to say is the pain, the isolation, the hurt, because... I didn't know fully at the time what was going on. I didn't know until later. But we were not intimate for like the last three years of our marriage. And he rejected me all the time. And I just thought I wasn't pretty enough or I wasn't attractive enough or I wasn't good enough. And it was very devastating. But even later to figure out like what it was. Yeah. Um, I just speak to it from that angle because I... Didn't struggle with a porn addiction, but what I'm saying is I suffered in silence and I didn't tell anybody. I didn't go to counseling over it. I didn't tell my family that we weren't intimate for three years. Nobody knew until I left him and the whole marriage blew up. Um, then I'm like, by the way. Did you ever address it with him? Not really. Not really, because after that marriage fell apart, I had been addicted to pain pills for about a year. Into that three years for that last year, yeah. um, and within five days, I became a IV heroin addict, and so my whole life took a different turn. It wasn't like I was like home and be like, let's work on this. I did ask to go to counseling initially, and he uh, showed up the first p- appointment, and then he didn't show up at the second appointment. And by that time, I was uh, on heroin anyway, and so it was the end. It was the end of the you know. I just kept going down that dark tunnel and that spiral. But what I'm saying is. When I finally told my parents, because they were like, why did you leave him? He's a great guy and this and that. And I'm like, we haven't been intimate in three years. Something is off, uh, you know. But I was in secret about it because I took it on myself as if I wasn't attractive. And it was pretty devastating for me. All right. So we will be back here in just a couple of minutes uh, and, and get into this second segment of pornography addiction. Don't go anywhere.
Welcome back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. We're your hosts, Heather and Donnie Mosier. You. Today's part two of pornography addiction. You know, and I'm, what you know what else today is? Oh, uh, wait, hold on a minute. Uh, today, um, I have been married to you for three years. Together for like almost five, right? Almost five. And, and been, we've been married for three years today. It's been pretty cool. What did you buy me? I'm right here. <laughs> oh. I'm just pledging myself to you again for another year. <laughs> Expectations of others breeds premeditated resentment, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> I just got to lower my bar and then I'll be happy. Happy, yeah. happy, happy. You get to enjoy me every day. What would a gift do for no, you? No, it's pretty cool being married to you. I think that um, you and I both have been married three times each. And so basically we suck at this. But however, yeah, that's true. people should not take marriage advice from us. But what's really cool and I'm really grateful is you and I are both in recovery. We did not know each other in our previous lives when we were in active addiction or alcoholism. Mm-hmm. True. I'm grateful for that. Um, but I'm grateful that we both live this life of recovery and of seeking God and living a spiritual way of life together. Well, and- the weird thing is, is that my first marriage really strongly mirrors your first marriage. My second marriage strongly mirrors your second. Yeah. It's really weird that we were sort of on the same path. Uh, when we found each other, we were not looking for each other no. at all. I was not look. I. I was coming out of an 18-year marriage. I was ready to go on a run. Yeah. I was going to go out with as many women as I could. So I, this was not the route I was looking to take. Yeah, I wasn't looking for you. Um, and God had other plans. This is the first relationship I've ever been in where we share the same uh, Christian beliefs, mm-hmm. where we've sort of put God in the middle, um, and where we're not doing this perfect. We argue, we fight, but we're like, just keep moving forward and learning, and we're seeking a better relationship with ourselves and with God. And I don't think it's a prerequisite to a good marriage, obviously, but in our case, the fact that we live a 12-step lifestyle the way that we do uh, I'm I'm always okay with you going and meeting with a new guy or sponsoring someone or going to a meeting or you're okay with me doing the same. Like that's not a topic that we're sponsoring guys, m- women. You know oh, what I mean? Okay. Um, I thought our marriage was over. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like we're very mindful of these are the things that we do and these are the principles that we mm-hmm. live by. And and I'm not the non-alcoholic at home jealous that you're spending time with your 12-step people, friends. And so uh, I think that we're both mindful that we both live this life. And so that side of it is something that's never a contention or argued about. I'm just really grateful to be married to you. I'm complimenting you uh, on air. So I'm just trying to like... I have witnesses. Shake you. Because I think last week... All of our listeners are witnesses. That means I have seven witnesses. (laughs) I uh, Last week I said you were spiritual or something like that. Spiritually fit. Yeah. You called me spiritually fit. And today I'm saying you're a fantastic fantastic husband. Wow. Um, we should probably end the show right now. Um, <laughs> now you got, I want you to talk more about your journey of pornography addiction. Add this to my calendar so I can record it. Talk about it. Well, <clears throat> so what we're going to talk about today is how to properly watch pornography at work and not get caught. Donnie. All right. Oh my All right. God. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. In my head, that's hilarious. <laughs> Um, but no, these last are those week, morbid jokes that only people in, in recovery can tell that normal people are so shocked that you would even say that and think it's funny. But, yeah. you know, I get that you think that's funny. I don't hang out with those but people. Pr- pretend for a moment that you're not recovered from this. You're not in a place of solution. And you're a listener listening, thinking, I don't even know if I do have a problem with it. I don't even know what that would look like. And I don't or maybe they know that they do and they don't know what to do about well, it. Well, I mean, and and that's a great segue into me as the problem. Right. Right. And, and what I was going through. Um, because I, just like when I 
was in full-blown alcoholism and I didn't know I was an alcoholic. I was in full-blown pornography addiction and didn't know it. Right. Because it's very subtle the way it begins and it becomes sort of a way of life before you know it. Right. Um, and it has some definite effects on you. Um, now, one of the things that we, and, and what we talked about last week, just to kind of bring everybody up to speed if you weren't here last week, is we talked about kind of the science of it, mm-hmm. what it does to your brain. Shrinks what, your brain. That's why you're dumb. What the porn producers are doing on the internet to get your attention, um, the effect it has on kids because of the lack of development in their brain. So we kind of went through that. and But this today, I kind of want to talk a little bit more just real world about what I struggled with and what happened and what I see others struggling with. Like what? Um, so one of the things we looked at in our thing was uh, mood disorders. I don't know that I had mood disorders. You still have mood disorders. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. No. The irritability, the anger, the mood swings, the depression, the isolation. Absolutely. That all plays a part with any addiction, whether it's porn or drugs mm, or alcohol. Those things play a part. I can't say that I identify it. I can't. Um, but what I can say is the sexually objectifying other people. For sure. Okay. So I'll give you a scenario. Guys that cat call, right? Like no, like, no, 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 not at all, not at all. From a girl's perspective, there's certain guys that would be offended. But those are by just it. guys with no manners. They're not necessarily people that have a pornography addiction. They just have no manners. They weren't brought up right. I'm talking about the objectifying of how it gets woven is, into your brain that it's okay. But I want to explain it to you from a man's point of view. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you what it means. So when I was an active, and I can't say that this is completely better. Um, it takes a while for your brain to recover and rewire and change. But when I was in active addiction with pornography, I would be at work um, at lunch. So my office is right next to a mall mm-hmm. and we would go to the food courts for lunch. Mm-hmm. And I'd be sitting at the table with my six or seven nerdy friends having a discussion and uh, a beautiful woman w- would walk by. Mm-hmm. And what I started to notice is I'm the only one like, look at that. Check that out. And they're like, yeah, whatever. And they're back to their conversation. Oh, yeah. yeah. So what, what, what watching porn did over time is I started to look at females differently. Mm. I didn't look at them as mothers, wives, daughters, human beings. Yeah. They were an object that was to be seen in a sexual way only. Right. Um, and that's dangerous. Yeah. It's dangerous and it's hurtful and it's disrespectful. And I mean, the list goes on. Right. Um, and, and that really hit me when I was reading this list of things. It says sep- sexually objectifying other people, treating people as sex objects. So every time uh, I would see a woman, it would be imagining a woman in a, in a, a sexual scenario mm-hmm. is what they're talking about. Um, Judging people primarily in terms of their body parts. I mean, that's huge in our society because porn is such a problem. Um, Disrespecting other people's needs for privacy and safety. I don't get that one. I don't think I ever put anybody else at risk. Right. Um, But being insensitive about sexually harmful behavior. For sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So when you and I got together, um, you were... Oh, when you moved in with me, mm-hmm. you were what, 18, 18 months, months sober, sober. close yeah. to two years sober, and whatever it was. you were about five years sober, yeah. About five years. And you had told me when we were courting that, yeah, I like, I like pornography. Yeah. Um, 
And so one day I went and turned it on. We were, we were yeah. laying in the room and I, I turned remember. it on and you were not, I mean, like obviously not okay with it. Yeah. And that would have been fine. Right. But I pushed it. And I think another time I went to play it or, mm-hmm. or something close to it. And so I think that's what we're talking about because to you, it was harmful. When you see pornography, you don't see actors and actresses willfully participating. No. Based on, I don't know if it's some past traumas or based on just your perception of it, you see it more as people being objectified, abused, yeah. harmed. Yeah. Right? And you see, so you saw it totally different. I just see it like, it's like spiritually harmful too. Like, I don't know. I, I have like, even though I'm a drug addict that's in recovery and I live a spiritual way of life, I think I've always had like somewhat of a moral or a God compass around mm-hmm. sexual behavior, even though I always haven't behaved as such. Mm-hmm. But I've never struggled with porn addiction, but I always thought it was socially normal. And so all the people I've dated or lived with or married, like I felt like I had to get okay with it and yeah. I had to say I was okay with it because I needed to be the cool girlfriend or the cool wife that was okay with stuff. Yeah. And so when I told you I was okay with it, I actually delusionally thought I was because my whole life I'd, I'd said that I was. That wasn't that list of things you said just to trap <laughs> me different. in a relationship? No, oh, okay. But, and so when that first occurred and I shut down and responded the way, and I was shocked. I didn't know why it came out that way, but this is the first time I had been like living a spiritual way of life and then exposed to it again. Yeah. After all, like the tra- traumatic stuff I experienced sexually while I was not sober. Yeah. That definitely played a part in it and it was re-traumatizing me and I had to talk to my sponsor about it and she said you're not okay with it and you may never be okay with it you know and I had to be okay with communicating that to you and then when I would push it on you or try to show you again that's when it became traumatizing all right so don't go anywhere we'll be right back you're listening to relevant recovery radio Welcome back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio with hosts Heather and Donnie Mosier. Yep. Yep. Talking about porn addiction part two today. My mic's messing up, so you're going to have yeah. to maybe talk. They call second. it the new drug, the new addiction, the new, thing that yeah. nobody talks about. And so before the break, we were kind of talking about our experience when we were first dating, and I had, uh, you interpreted it as lied to you. I delusionally believed, thought I was okay with it, and I wasn't. And so we went on this journey of like separately and together. I had to verbalize to you that I actually wasn't okay with it. And, and I had I, to check two more times to be sure. No, Yeah, but, but before, here's why I was scared to even verbalize it to you. I was scared that once I told you I wasn't okay with it, then you'd be doing it behind my back just like guys had done in the past that I was married to. I did. You're right. And, and so I was really afraid. I was jealous of the attention the virtual world was going to get from you sexually, and I wasn't. I, it felt like... Emo- did you not set that ball rolling by <laughs> right, denying me? Right. But I mean, we can laugh about it today, but it was like really a, a problem in my mind. I didn't want to tell you. And I remember telling my sponsor, I didn't want to tell you that because now he'll do it in secret. And she's like, yeah, he might. But that's on him. Like, yeah. you're not you're not being honest. You're- you talked to your sponsor about this? Yeah. She knows a lot about me. Yeah. <laughs> oh. That's the beauty of the 12-step world, right? Yeah. And I was in confidence, but I really viewed my partner's pornography use as cheating because, again, I have that history of not feeling good enough or wanted or desired by previous men who had problems with it. Mm-hmm. And so I really felt like I was in competition with it. And then I really felt like morally it was wrong for you to give sexual uh, energy to something that wasn't me. 
I was jealous yeah, of I it. I didn't see that. You did not see it. Did at, you see that at the time or was that time, a, something yes. later? You No, you were not aware of it on that realm or that understanding at all, but I was. Until that day. And so fast forward and it happened again, I don't know, maybe a year later, I don't know, but you tried a couple other times and I was able to verbally communicate that I'm not okay with it at all. I'm, I will probably never be okay with it. I'm not trying to get to a point anymore where I am okay with it. It's something I don't want in my life. Yeah. And I just want an intimate relationship with you, my husband, uh, only. And, uh, and, it was, and I think our... just And I, it took another three years for you to get on that same page. Mm. Two. At least two. Yeah. I, I fought it for a good year where I was. I, well, I, I will say this. No. Um, when you and I got together, I, I put it down for seven months. Right. Uh, and then I'd pick it back up. And then I'd put it down. Then I'd pick it back up. But that's just like someone yeah. who says, well, yeah. I didn't drink for three months. Well, I didn't touch drugs for six yeah. months. So? Yeah. You weren't fixed yet. You weren't no. on a different way of life yet. No. And, I, and we're going to talk about There's that There's a big at the difference between being abstinent versus in recovery from. Well, big difference. Correct. And I also want to talk about the difference of still battling an obsession over it and being fixed by God. Yeah. Because that's truly what happened to me. So the other thing I want to talk about, or the next thing I want to talk about is on that list, it talked about risky and dangerous behavior. Yeah. I mean, the top of that list is accessing porn at work or school. And somebody would go, oh my God, why would you do that? Someone who struggles with porn addiction knows what we're talking about, though. Somebody who struggles with drug addiction. Yeah. You know what I was thinking about was people who drink at work or you went into court and lost your kids after just shooting up dope in the the parking parking lot lot of the courthouse of the courthouse. Not because you wanted to. No, not because because I couldn't not do it. Right. And so what we've shown, (laughs) which is the nature of addiction and what we've talked about and discussed in the previous show and today is that we once this has really burrowed into your brain, once your receptors, once your frontal lobe, once everything starts to participate in this relief, um, this shot of dopamine, it's really the same as a drug. And it will progress the same. And I think that that's the worry. Uh, you really have to look at if, if, if it becomes like more violent or uh, you have to up the ante. It beca- needs to be more taboo or more shocking as the years go on. And sometimes this goes into like child pornography well, and, and, I'm thankful, and, and all I, kinds of other stuff. I'm truly thankful that that's never been a thing for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I just don't get it. Like you don't get pornography addiction. I don't, I don't get, get somebody wanting to look at somebody young that kind of doesn't. Right. Um, but what you just said, I think is what but drives a lot of people of there. It. The progression of it, the tolerance issue, yeah, I will shock, say. More shock, dirtier, tolerance, darker. Your tolerance issue was just at a lower threshold. Yeah. And other people may have a much higher a threshold that where they have to seek out that same reward system. And right. so we, you and I, because we're drug addict alcoholics, we understand not having the power of choice. But the person mm-hmm. that's normal listening to us that doesn't have the knowledge about chronic addiction that we do, they may have no clue that they can't stop. They may right. have no clue what's going on. The other thing, too, is that when you're watching pornography all the time, it becomes a normal thing. So mm-hmm. you start to think that's what life is about. And another thing about risky and dangerous behavior is this idea of having sex in a public place or somewhere that's risky and dangerous at the office, whatever, somebody who may not even be your spouse, like you start getting into really dangerous behaviors because again, you believe this is normal. This is what I watch all the time. This has become normal in my The only way that I even related all to that is when I got sober and I was just more regular promiscuous and Mm -hmm. God was really trying to rewrite me internally around that behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, I just really remember... Uh, wanting 
attention, wanting to be wanted and loved by somebody, right? And so I had a reward system in place of doing things I wasn't comfortable really with doing, but because I needed the attention or the validation or the reward system. And so I understand it in that same context that I needed help outside of just me, uh, people to hold me accountable that knew what was going on. And, and God, of course, spiritual help uh, mm-hmm. in order for that to change. But when I did, I got completely rewritten internally, and I had completely different boundaries and a completely different compass that I was operating life on. Right. And I, I was three months sober going through that, and then I, and you've been seven, eight years sober going through yours. And so there's not this, like, timeline of when it's supposed to happen it's just when you start, you started to feel convicted about it, and I was not aware that you're even still doing it. Well, you know, the thing is, is that when you and I first met, you made it clear that you weren't cool with me watching porn. Right. Right. Uh, and so when we dated, we dated six months, long distance, and you were like, and, and we've talked about this like last week, that there is activities that go with porn. We don't need to get explicit. Mm-hmm. You guys know what we're talking about. But you were like, hey, none of that. None of that. You know, I'm here. It's all about me. If we're going to have a relationship, it's all about me and it's all about you. And that's, um, and so for seven months I held to that standard. I, I, I I did for you. Right. It wasn't for me. And it wasn't for God. And so then, (laughs) right. And then you, you move in and the relationship starts to normalize and you're just there every day. It's not new anymore. Day in, day out, hour after hour (laughs) after hour. You're just there still. Uh, not cleaning or cooking. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what happened is things got to normal. It wasn't new, the newlywed That's the delusion. Game A lot was... of men that we were listening to and reading about, they think that the porn addiction will go away once they get married or once their girlfriend moves in with them or once they have a partner. But I didn't now. have that delusion. Mine was more of, okay, well, this is sort of get, reaching the normal plateau and this will be my spice. Mm. But I think what it really is, is it's also the memory of the drug, the memory, the obsession really kind of hits you and you start thinking about that dopamine hit subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and so I would struggle with it. So I would go, I would go on again, off again. And it wasn't till that day, that day that I was just sitting quietly in our room, just in meditation when God sort of gave me all the information, we call it a God download. And I knew immediately that it wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because... When I was struggling with it, um, one of the things that you and I cannot afford in our recovery is dishonesty. Dishonesty. And I'm living dishonesty. Yeah. Um, there is, it, you, you viewed it as cheating, mm-hmm. right? And so it's now creating a, a dishonest divide. It's creating, uh, in your mind, an infidelity divide. Mm-hmm. And, and these are just a couple of the ways it, re, it really um, harms a relationship. Right. Um, and, and if we, and I want to point out for a moment that at that stage in our lives, you and I had two completely different deep-seated beliefs about porn. And yes, you were, I thought you were, it was good. Yeah. And so what I'm trying to say is marriages don't normally work out when people that get married have completely different deep-seated beliefs about something big like that. Yeah. And I would not have married you if I hadn't seen you getting on the same page as me on that. It would have been something that tore us apart just like it did in my previous uh, marriage. Uh, got you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joke's on you. Three years later. Right? But I mean, and, and so you said it earlier. But my point is, is like we've been married three years today yeah. and you're coming up on one year. Yeah. For free of porn. So I'm just trying to give our listeners like a screenshot that 
people are human and not perfect, but I saw that you were on a spiritual road of spiritual progress and seeking God and seeking truth. It wasn't rules I laid down per se. Yeah. It, it was it was between you and God. And I yeah. saw it little bit by little bit. And so I was grateful for that progress. And I was just patient, prayed for you, and I was patient. And there were times in your last marriage where you felt sexually inadequate or threatened. There was times in our marriage early on, I think, when you felt that way. You didn't know what it was that was causing no, it. yeah. Because I was good at hiding it, but um, I think that's really what was going on. Okay, so we have talked a whole bunch about the problem. We, when we We're come back, talk about solution now. Yeah, because really I mean, like to. the problems really list, like- <laughs> the problems list, li- literally, it goes on and it's like sexual problems, self-loathing, neglecting important areas. Like, guys, this is a big issue. So when we come back, uh, what I would like us to focus our time on is what it, what are the markers of porn addiction and what are the, some solutions and resources. So get a pen and paper. You can write stuff down as soon as we come back. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. Two idiots on a microphone. Donnie and Heather. We're talking about porn addiction part two. If you missed part one, go to the iHeart app. And last week's is uh, part one. Um, We've shared a lot of personal stuff, which I think is kind of cool that we're in a place where we feel open to being vulnerable. And I'm hoping it helps somebody. I think open to being human. Right. Nobody's perfect. Everybody's got stuff wrong with them. If you see somebody walking down the street in a meat suit, otherwise known as a human, there is some darkness somewhere (laughs) in their life. And so I want to give our listeners some of the clues, the hallmarks. If you're questioning, am I addicted to porn or do I just like porn? Here's the clues. Number one, if your second screen on your computer right now has porn on it while you listen to this. Or any time, really. It's possible that you have So it says you may have an addiction to porn if you are craving porn intensely or persistently, or you have difficulty controlling your thoughts or your exposure and use of porn. You may have a porn addiction if you have an inability to dis- discontinue porn use despite negative consequences, like like what I experienced with like threatening, you know. Uh, you may have an addiction to porn if you have repeated failures to stop using it. You may require more extreme content or intense exposure to porn to get the same effect. And you may be experiencing discomfort and, in- and irritability when you're deprived of porn. These are like literal withdrawal symptoms from your brain not getting the spike of dopamine. And so, Donnie, like, talk to us for a minute. This is our last segment. Kind of like your journey of going from, yeah, I have a problem, I'm convicted, I know something's wrong with it, to now being almost a year in recovery from it. Like, not just abstinent, not just that you're just not doing it, you're white-knuckling it, but you really feel, like you said last time, repulsed by the thought of it today, and you never had that more than a year ago. Right, because my brain every once in a while will still throw that, volley it up in the air as an idea like, hey, Heather's gone, and I'll be like, ew, no. Uh, and that's truth. Um, But you have a deep-seated conviction and a change internally from it as a result. How did you go from A to B? I think, first of all, so I tried to quit prior to God's help. I tried to quit on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you're trying to quit, things that you need to look out for. So I had already removed all social media. I think the last thing I removed was Instagram. One of the things that social media— And Reddit. I remember when you removed Reddit. 
because you were just like so <coughs> upset with trying to abstain, yet the visuals that you were getting uh, without even looking or they asking all do for it. it. That's what I was going to say is they all do it. All social media is going to throw a certain type or look of woman in front of your face at some point. Because it's so weird. I'm on social media and I never see the stuff you would that would pop up on your feed. That's weird. <laughs> you're saying it was a personal attack? I'm just saying it's they, possibly a personal they know attack. you're a 50-year-old man and they're catering to that. A 50-year young man. Whatever. Okay. So I had to get rid of triggers. Now, anybody who's listening to this show who knows us is laughing right now. <laughs> that we said triggers. Yeah. That's not, because, a, that's not a 12-step concept. Because in alcoholism, we don't believe in triggers. That once God removes an obsession, it's, it's okay. But that, now we've just set the path. Yeah. So when I was trying to quit on my own, I had to remove triggers. No more social media. Um, I had to not go to Reddit because Reddit has got just, there's a nasty world out there, yeah. Reddit. Um, I, I just had to re- make it a little harder and I, I would fail um, because that obsession would hit me. The idea, uh, you being out of the house or stress, mm-hmm. stress would push me to it. Yeah. Okay. So what happened then? What happened is my life was on a journey to get closer to God anyway. Right. Because I don't know if you've made the correlation, but I'm coming up on a year of no porn, but I'm also coming up on a year of eating much better than I have since I've known you. Right. See, there's a correlation I noticed. There. I noticed a big time that when you were not eating and taking care of your body, eh, food and exercise-wise, how irritable and how difficult it was to be around you. What? And Me? I could tell when you cheated on food, and it's been more than a year ago now, because you were in such a bad mood. It really spiritually sent you way off. And so I didn't know when the porn was a factor in there or not because I didn't ask. I didn't want to know. And so what was basically going on for two to three years was whack-a-mole, spiritual whack-a-mole, yeah. is I would really attack the food and the porn would take a new level. And I would attack the porn and the food would take a new level. Because you actually didn't have any solution to either. I wasn't it, it leaning was, into God enough. This is when people just swap one substance for another. And people say all the time, well, I haven't drank in 20 years. I'm like, right. yeah, Brenda, but you're taking a lot of Laura tabs. Right, <laughs> like, right. Or yeah, you're still buying a lot of lottery tickets. Like, I don't believe the doctor asked you to snort that at yeah, all. Right? Like there's still a problem. It doesn't matter what the thing is that you're covering up with another thing. Right. Okay. So there's several areas of my life where you've watched me struggle. Yeah. So you've watched me... Food, porn, shopping, and alcohol. Driving. Driving. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So you've seen where I've applied my human power to something and it's failed. And it's always failed you utterly. And so what happened to me is that sometime late last year, I started leaning into God enough. Mm -hmm. Like something changed and I really started to look to God more than my own power. Mm -hmm. And everything started to straighten out, you know? Um do I have thoughts about porn every now and then? Absolutely. They just don't have the effect on me that but they used to. But your response to it, like you said, is repulsed or like pulling your hand away from a hot stove, which right. I cor- I have a defense. You have a mental defense because you're spiritually fit now, which I've said it again now. So, you know, time capsule that. But what I'm saying is, is people need to understand that's the the reason, the reason that I can't accidentally relapse. The reason I could be around heroin and drugs and alcohol and not relapse um, is because I'm recovered from that hopeless state of mind because I work a spiritual program. It's not just because I'm abstinent. People that are just abstinent are going to have to live white knuckling at one freaking miserable day at a time. And that's not what we want. We want true freedom from these problems. 
problems. And what had happened in the past is that because I was applying my own power, triggers were real. Were setting me off. They were real. Uh And so since uh, it's around September of last year, um, I've had the thought more than once, and it just has no effect on me. I have a defense today. Now, I don't toy with the devil. Yeah. Okay. And what here's what I mean by that. I didn't get back on Reddit. I'm not back on Instagram. Um, I just don't go there. Yeah. You know what? They're not good for me anyways. Right. They're just not. And so there's certain things I don't just like I'm not gonna go drink NyQuil every night before I go to bed <laughs> yeah. and toy with that. Yeah. But what I found It's no different than the fact that I don't go sit under the bridge and hang out with people daily that are still actively shooting dope. Right. I mean, I can go there if I'm, my mission is to help someone in short term and pull them out. Right. Like you I, can I do some good. Right. I can be on the firing line and I can go to sorted spots and, and I'm protected. But I won't make a daily habit of, of putting that temptation in front of me mm. um, because if I'm spiritually off one moment of one day, I'm going to fail on my own power. And then I will shut you out of my life within 15 <laughs> minutes, especially my credit cards. I will drain cards. your bank account right. uh, if I relapse. Well, <clears throat> and so that's... That's how I want to close this segment out is that I wasn't able to stop this on my own. I didn't have the power. It's really no different than drugs and alcohol for me. Right. It really isn't. And so before we close it out today, we're going to give you some resources, some some places to talk to. But here is what I want to testify for you. Here is what I want people to hear from my story is that when it came to drugs and alcohol, porn addiction, uh, food, even my driving. You have been with me when I have jumped into an emergency lane and sped past people at 100 because I was a it's maniac. crazy. But when God removed it, he removed it. I haven't had you the haven't need to that. speed since. I drive the speed limit and I'm happy doing it and I, my whole driving experience is different. And so that's what I'm saying is that once God convicted me and gave me the information and said, hey, porn, I want you to go ahead and stop that, I was able to stop and I have had not, I've not had the real temptation since, but I have to stay spiritually fit. What does that mean? I'm going to keep seeking a deeper relationship with God. 